Welcome to the XY Advisor Podcast, a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice. To get involved, go to xyadvisor.com or simply download the XY Advisor app. This episode is proudly sponsored by Integrity, your partner for life. Integrity recently launched an exclusive research paper to help advisors understand how to attract and retain new clients. They believe their role in the industry is bigger than just providing products. They want to help create a sustainable industry, educate clients, and support advisors personally in their business. You can get a copy of the report and learn more about Integrity if you visit integritylife.com.au forward slash xy. Welcome back to the XY Advisor Podcast. I'm Fraser Jack, and today I'm joined by Lexi Smith. Welcome, Lexi. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Now, we're talking about all sorts of different things around the concept of uh, providing or helping clients in a way that's not necessarily being a licensed financial planner. Living the dream. <laughs> so let's start by giving the, uh, the listeners a quick overview of you and what you're doing in your business at the moment. Um, so even though I'm a non-practicing CFP, I now help mums become better with money using cash flow critiques. Wow, fantastic! And then, and of course, you just met, as you mentioned, you are currently a non-practicing CFP, but you were a planner for a long time. Yes, um, ten years. I um, went on maternity leave in 2019, and then when I was due to come back, um, I decided to not re-enter the industry, not return to advice. Well, fantastic. As, as, a, as quite a few people are thinking about doing at the moment, uh, one way or another. Uh, but before we go uh, there, let's, let's explore your journey. Tell us, about, uh, tell us about your time and deciding that you wanted to be a financial planner. It goes back quite a long way. Uh, year nine was when I first heard about financial planners and decided that that was probably the most suitable career for me. I've always had, I guess, a knack for money and and being brought up as an only child, it was something that my parents were able to spend a lot of time teaching me about, which I think certainly helped. Um, so from there, I'm probably one of the few people who decide that they're going to be something and then follow through. Um, and it's only now that I'm kind of making an adjustment. But I think what I set out to do is what I'm doing now. I just thought that it was what you did in financial planning, of course, it's more focused on investments, retirement, insurance, and that kind of thing, not necessarily on being good with money. Yeah, this is really interesting. So you're, you're what, 15, 14, 15 years old, you decide that you want to be a financial planner. I'm, I'm not sure too many 14 and 15 year olds actually know what a financial planner is. So that was, that's a pretty good start. How did you find out what one, what oh, one was? Oh, just one of those uh, career books where you kind of flip through and you see a bit of a um, explanation of what each occupation does and um, estimated income and just opportunities and the study that you had to do. I was pretty pissed off actually that I had to go to uni. I didn't want to go to uni, but I did it. And I guess that's why I've got all of the education that I needed to continue in the industry. But I think a lot of people that are exiting the industry, perhaps that is why, because they haven't done that extra uh, education. But that's something that I didn't need to worry about, but I'm still exiting the industry. 
in a sense. I have to say education is uh, one of those things that you sort of – I don't think you never really regret it. Once you've got it, you think, well, that was actually quite good. I actually learned a little bit there. That was uh, going to be handy, I'm sure, in, in, in many years to come. Now, tell me about that. So you started off as an advisor. Tell, tell, tell me your journey as you got into advice. How long did that take you to get into advice after uni? So I went um, while I was still at uni. They had a professional degree where I did an internship um, so I could be working in the industry while I was still studying. Um, so I started as a client service officer and I've moved through the ranks. I've done power planning. I've done associate advising and also just normal financial advisor. And that's kind of where I finished up in 2019. Wow. And so 2019, you're a financial advisor. You you go on maternity leave. What sort of clients were you looking after? Um, at that point, it was very much retirees um, and even more so kind of 75 plus. Yeah, okay. So after post-retirement. And, and how was that something that you sort of thought to yourself, well, uh, I want to get into back into sort of helping people in my own demographic? I think the thing that frustrated me was that we'd be at home on the weekend and we'd have friends and family over um, and they're not 75 plus. Um, and I couldn't really say to them, come and see me on Monday morning, you know, we'll get you sorted. Um, so that was my frustration that even though I could help the people around me, I wasn't able to facilitate that through my normal employment. So is that because uh, your normal employment was, you know, the, the, the process was complex and there was, uh, there was a lot of uh, cost involved in servicing and bringing on new clients um, that you sort of didn't really feel was appropriate for your, your, your friends at the barbecue? I think um, with the clients that I'm working with now, their financial position doesn't necessarily justify an advisor's fees, um, you know, that 3000 plus ongoing every year. Sure, they can add value, get their insurances set up and... And do a few different things, which are great, um, but they need something that kind of bridges that gap between where they are now and and that point. Um, and unless you're going to see a financial counsellor, if you're p- perhaps up to your eyeballs in debt, or you're going to see a financial planner, there's nothing really in between. Like there is more and more now, me moving into this space and a lot of other of my peers moving into this space. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? When I think of the, the standard bell curve of, you know, consumers or populations, and I think sort of up the one end of the bell curve, we have a whole lot of people receiving advice. And at the other end, you have the financial counsellors kicking in in that space. And so you're really working at that uh, pre-financial advice space or in, in the middle of the bell curve of, of consumers. Yeah. Fantastic. And so so tell us about that. So you, you I, I want to find out about your business in, in a minute and how you set it all up, but uh, take us through the process of exactly sort of what you're mostly working on in general terms um, so that we can understand. Is it mostly cash flow budgeting? I have certainly pivoted a lot in the last six months. Um, I think that sometimes we start to do things that we think we should be doing and not necessarily what we want to be doing. And I'm just lucky in the sense that what I wanted to be doing is actually what um, I'm finding that the demand and what people are looking for is. And that's around what I call a cash flow critique. So it is really looking at spending habits and things like that. So I'm quite anti-budget, I would say. I think Budgets are a bit like diets and who wants to be on a diet for the rest of their life. So I think that becoming mindful and intentional with spending um, can go a long way. So it's forming, it's more forming habits than it is just, um, you know, obviously putting forward looking budgets and then just mindful spending and, and making sure that you've got your, uh, what you're spending your money on is what you're actually meant to. 
Yeah, changing the way that you think about money, uh, being very intentional and making sure it's not about not doing things, it's not about um, any kind of restriction, but focusing on spending in areas that make you happy. And that's going to be different for everyone. Fantastic. So, uh, okay, so we'll go, we'll go into that in a second. But before we do, I just want to go through the process of you deciding then to get back into the workforce and starting your own business, because I, that's always a big uh, thing for people to that, that consideration of going, right, now I've got to go and find some clients. Where are they going to come from? How am I going to set up my website and all these other things? Tell us about your process of setting up your own business. A few different questions in there. It made me think of a few conversations that I had with friends that kind of were my inspiration to do what I'm doing. Um, They were, I guess, um, they look at my position at the moment and that my husband came home from work one day and said, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to go to uni. And so for a lot of people, that would take time to make adjustments to be able to facilitate that. But for us, it was kind of a okay, we'll just go and quit and enroll in uni. And now he's uh, doing his master's of dentistry. So I want to inspire other people to be so good with money that you can do things like that. Yeah. And that's, that's not necessarily saying that people have to have, a, you know, a good job and come from a big base or have a high net worth or whatever it might be. It's just about managing what they do have really well. And about understanding things like investments. I think it's something, you know, you're not necessarily learning it at school. And as soon as you kind of grasp the concept of things like something simple as compound interest, it really makes you think about that $5 that you're spending on those that thing at Kmart that you didn't really need, that could be, say, $70 in retirement. And I know that I would rather spend $70 a bit later than $5 on something I didn't need now. So it's about changing the way you think about money and knowing the other possibilities that really help put everything together. Yep. And so how did you come up, how did you find your clients from the from a new business point of view? Um, it's the clients at the moment are all referrals. Um, and from that, it even started as referrals. So my very first client was referred to me from a friend. And so they, you know, they've followed me for a long, long time and they know the kind of person that I am. And they just happen to know that this other friend of theirs would be a good fit. Um, and so that's where it all started. Fantastic. And uh, so just on that referrals conversation, do you have like working relationship referrals with with, uh, with other professionals or people that might refer people to you? I am still building my network. Um, there's one particular advisor in Brisbane that most of my referrals come from. Um, and she really directs people to me that it's not that she can't help them, but as I touched on earlier, perhaps her fees don't justify it. Sorry, their financial position don't justify the fees. Um, so once they, she refers someone to me, I will work with them. Um, and then potentially there will be a time in the future where I refer those same clients back to her. So, um, it's not to say that they won't ever require advice in the future, but they're not just there yet. Fantastic. Okay. So this is a, uh, this is a revolving door conversation where you say, I'll, I'll build, I'll help build these people into a position where they now need and can justify the, the cost of financial planning. Yeah. I did have one client early on who, um, when we looked at their expenditure for the year 2020, remembering that we weren't able to do an awful lot, they spent $210,000, a couple in their thirties with a, a young child. Um, and so, we all know that 210000 a year, that's a decent spend. Um, and if we can perhaps bring her back down to, say, 150000 a year spend, what? imagine the possibilities, the magic that an advisor could work with that extra $60,000 a year. 
So this is an interesting conversation for somebody that uh, is in that, that the client, right? Because you're, you're all of a sudden now you have to have a conversation with them about their spending and, and it, it could be a conversation that they might not be looking forward to. Um, you know, the critique side of this conversation where they're going, okay, well, you know, what, what makes you think that we can spend less? And, um, you know, that, or, or they could they could come across in a way where they're actually going, oh, you know, this is going to be quite difficult or hard or something that they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. It can be such a confronting exercise, but I think that seeing the impact and the results that come of that make it so worth it. When you are able to show someone that they can spend less but be happier, that's pretty powerful. Fantastic. And so do you, how do you do that? Is that something you use you, you, a little bit of benchmarking around the concept of somebody else in your position is doing this and what sort of methods are you using? So I know that there's a lot of um, personal financial management tools out there that do a similar thing in, in that they look at expenses and they categorize expenses and that kind of thing. But I'm able to, you know, apply a human set of eyes to that and also have the background of being an advisor to be able to pick up different things that, that those tools don't necessarily notice um, and then be able to refer on to an advisor. So um, yes, there's tools out there that do similar things, but not, I, I actually don't know anyone else out there. And, and if you are out there and you are doing what you think is similar to what I'm doing, please reach out because I love collaborating. And I think that's something else, Fraser, that I wanted to really talk about today was I feel like this side of the industry is so pro-collaboration, it's so refreshing. Rather than seeing each other as competition, there's a lot of us coming together and and working on different programs and things together. Um, and so if there's anyone out there that's thinking about doing something a little bit different, I get in touch with me. We can talk about, you know, more about my journey and the options that are out there. Yeah, fantastic. I do like the sound of that, um, uh, you know, getting together and, and, uh, and, and you know, collaborating in a way. Um, <clears throat> so you're, when, when we talk about what you're doing, um, I'm just going to go the, sort of the, the, the chunk down. You mentioned the, the PFM software conversation. There's, there's different levels, right? There's like the, the, the total income that comes in and versus the total spending. That's sort of the, I see that as sort of level one. Then you can look at categories and categorizing what's you know um, what's discretionary and non-discretionary, et cetera, et cetera, or savings. And then you can go right down into the um, you know how much money did you spend on Netflix or whatever it might be. So how, what what levels are you going to, and and, and how are you um, working with those of your clients? Is it, have you got different offerings, or is it the same for? Um, it really depends. Um how deep as to what I identify along the way. So I pull out a heap of insights and give them suggestions and strategies for improvement. Um, and so with the analysis that I do comes a report. So they can also look back in say 12 months if they want to repeat the process. I am moving more away from the ongoing support um, and being, I guess you could say more transactional. Um, work with me for a good time, not a long time in a sense. Um, so yeah, the insights are always different. It's You can tell so much about a person, as I'm sure you can appreciate, by looking at their, their spending. Yeah, I think, uh, I think well, most of the time it's all around the idea of uh, understanding where they're up to now, right? That's the very first part of the, of the jigsaw puzzle, that, that whole reality check of, oh, okay, so that's exactly where I'm spending. So 
you're obviously going back and getting sort of, uh, uh, you know, a three month worth of or whatever it might be worth of data to, to work from. Um, so that's something, uh, an issue that I had with a lot of the tools that are out there that they do only go back three months. I think there's a lot of expenses, especially if you're paying for certain bills annually or you've got Christmas not in that three months or in that three months, it can make a big difference. So I think that some of the advisors that I've been talking to have had that frustration as well, that they can't, they have to wait nine months to get that full 12 month set of data. So um, I do a lot of this manually um, and there's obviously pros and cons to that. But um, yeah, there's lots of different tech and things out there that I'm working through to try and make my process more efficient to deliver more value, of course, like everyone. Yeah, fair enough. So a lot of mindset conversations then after that around uh, how your how the clients are thinking about stuff and what they're, why they're making those decisions. Do you go quite deep into things like their values and those sorts of things? It is so much about mindset. Um, I wouldn't say I go deep into values and things like that, but um, it kind of it's not until you're having the discussions that you can identify what particular strategies that they can try. Um, I think I've mentioned to you in the past, I have a friend who I know she was a very big impulse spender and I gave her a little tool just, you know, at a barbecue um, whereby I knew that she bought a lot of clothes for her sons um, to the point where you would open up their cupboard doors at their house and you'd kind of be bombarded with everything that would fall out. And so for her, it is a habit to go to the shops and just see a new pair of shorts and grab them. And so I said to her, that $12 pair of shorts, he's already got 17 pairs. How about you reward yourself for having caught that you're about to make that unnecessary purchase and transfer that $12, it doesn't seem like a lot, but it certainly adds up, into an account labelled holiday with the boys. So that's certainly something that she, um, you know, she's not feeling that restriction and she's still getting rewarded and changing the way she's thinking about money. Yeah. So this is not necessarily just putting somebody in a, in a better financial position, right? This is not just saying, we'll take that $12 and put it into a, an investment or an, or an ETF or whatever it might be. It's about taking that, um, that money and then saying, well, we, we need to change the habit of something. So yeah. to change the habit of something, we're not, we're not going to make it, um, we're not going to push it so far out into the future. We're going to, I think that I think that calls to one of the one of her values and the way of being a good mum. Oh, hundred percent. Now that you put it like that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it, it is interesting uh, the way that that people have habits and have formed habits. Sort of how far back do you go with people? Obviously, there's the spending, but do you sort of get into the idea of why people um, think certain ways about money? Um, I touch on it not as much as some other people I know that are in this space. I'm very much a, a numbers person, um, if you didn't already gather that. Um, so we, we kind of just, we go with the flow of the conversation. So some people aren't really interested in that side of things and they'd rather those quick small wins and then maybe we can go a bit deeper when we redo it next year. So it's about taking baby steps as well and not just kind of completely changing the, the way they manage their money overnight and then that not being sustainable for the long term. Yeah, fair enough. And tell, tell me about the technology you're using in your business. You mentioned the sort of the, we talked about the, 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 P, the PFM um, technology, but obviously you're not producing statements of advice, so that, that's not, not a part of it. But are you doing all your meeting on, online and, uh, and utilising technology with your clients for uploading stuff? So I'm what they would call location independent, which is lovely. And so everything happens via Zoom. I have 
not had a problem with that at all, especially thanks to everyone using, you know, working from home a lot more now as well. So it's not, you know, I think if we had have tried this two years ago, there might have been a little bit of pushback, but it's just the normal way of life, isn't it, to do things virtually? Yeah, I think uh, people have certainly adapted uh, fairly quickly to that. Um, you mentioned your earlier on, you mentioned um, that you help uh, mums. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. How did you sort of come up with your target uh, market or your or your or the people who you help the most? Just so relatable to mums, being a mum myself. Um, I've got a nearly five-year-old and near, nearly two-year-old. And so, a lot of conversations that you have, um, you know, I don't want to be talking about the weather before we get into the nitty gritty. I want to be talking about stuff that I enjoy talking about, which is, of course, my kids. Um, and I know a lot of other mums are the same. So they also seem to fall into that category that, you know, they're not at retirement yet, um, but they've got a good income potentially. And they they didn't learn this stuff at school. Yeah, this is a really, uh, so they didn't, they didn't learn it at school. And you're sort of taking them through it on a one-on-one. Are you are you developing anything in the way of sort of helping mums in in a greater sort of environment or or, or, or one-to-many type scenario? Because I think uh, that whole learning, didn't learning at school is a big thing, and obviously it's, it'd be good to try and teach that in larger numbers. Definitely. So um, online courses are of course a big thing at the moment. I'm trying to put one together at the moment that isn't just information, that it delivers a transformation. So you can get the information already, but it's about sifting through that and applying it to your your own situation, um, working out what's going to work for you. So work in progress, uh, watch this space. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so t- tell me about the, are you using any social media or platforms like that as well to create uh, in that sort of environment around community? I am. I do have a uh, Facebook group. I'm actually considering closing it down. Um, and I think the beauty of, you know, working for yourself and kind of paving your own path is that you can make changes along the way. If something doesn't feel right, if something's not working, if it's not how you envisage, you just make a change. And I think the one thing that really sticks out to me a lot is the the fact that I now see myself, as strange as it sounds, as a scientist. So I'm just doing experiments. If something doesn't work, it's no reflection on me. It was just the experiment, didn't go right, and now we, we do it again. And as soon as I had that mindset, things started to happen a lot faster. That snowball started to roll. Yeah, amazing. Um, so you're absolutely right. You're sort of a small business, uh, very nimble and, and agile uh, in, in a way. Tell us about that Facebook group. Why, why are you thinking of shutting it down? Is it, was it, is it just not working for you or is it something that we should all be thinking about uh, not doing? No, I don't think that others should be thinking about not doing it. It's just I'm, I don't have the, the passion for it, I think, that I thought that I did. Um, I think there's other better ways that I could be spending my time than building that and, and delivering value in that space. Yeah, fantastic. And so you, I, I noticed you did a post on LinkedIn the other day that talked about, um, you know, just uh, it was quite good, you know, the idea of explaining to financial planners how you work and how you work with them. Uh, are you looking at sort of, you know, talking to more financial planners about this? I definitely um, – see a lot of work in that area, um, being an advisor myself and knowing the the clients that I did take through this particular process, the results were pretty incredible. And I just didn't have the time to do that. Um, so to be able to take that off an advisor's plate and for them to be able to work with a very accurate cash flow 
or expenses figure, you know, gone are the days of saying t- to a client, what do you spend for the year? And then saying 70,000, but in actual fact, it's 100,000. Being able to work with more accurate data just opens up so many possibilities. Yeah, it certainly does. And uh, so I think it's fair to say that uh, when clients give out uh, their, you know, estimated amount of money that they spend in their budget every year or, or their spending, they pretty much underestimate the amount or, or grossly underestimate the amount every uh, every time. Uh, for a financial planner that's sitting in the office that's talking to clients, um, what's something that they can do with regards to if when that amount comes in or the client says they spend X, but clearly, clearly they don't, um, how, how should planners approach that? Um, I think the the fastest way and I'd say the way that most people are doing it at the moment is just looking at what income's coming in and how much their bank balances have changed over the last, say, 12 months. So, to get that balance from 12 months ago um, can be a very fast and relatively accurate way of determining expenses. Yep. Now, uh, now advisors aren't doing a lot of this in their practice because um, some of them are finding it very hard for, for, to, to set it up financially and say, you know, we, we have a practice, we provide advice and we want to offer cash flow, but we just can't quite work out how to get the modelling correct when it comes to how do we price it with our clients. Uh, do you have any tips for planners around how they should be pricing this? I think there's not really enough hours in the day for an advisor to to do it, which is why I think that I am putting myself out there to say if you want, you know, a bit of a side offering, then we can we can talk about that. The pricing that I've been using at the moment, it is different for every client. I always quote before I do any work. Um, and that does involve the client providing me a lot of information to start. Um but it means that I can more accurately um, price that. So, of course, I've had clients that might have had 4,500 transactions over 12 months, include business accounts and things like that, and then others that are under 1,000 for the year. So, um, the pricing at this point is between $250 and $900 for a cash flow critique, which includes that report back. And I do expect that that will increase over time as, you know, testimonials and things that I start to develop. Um, but that's where it's sitting at the moment. And people are so happy to pay that amount that I've got people paying, you know, in advance before they're like, shut up and take my money. Wow, that's amazing. So, yeah, okay. So, to, to me, this is a little bit around the idea of um, them getting some certainty, uh, them getting some security around the, the conversation around, okay, this is where I'm up to. I've got somebody helping me. I've got somebody helping my back, you know, have my back. It's probably more around that in the initial stages than it is around I've spent this much money to get Lexi in and I've saved X amount of dollars, like comparing the two dollar amounts. Yeah. I certainly um, aim for my service to pay for itself and not necessarily by an increased savings amount. So I'm, I'd rather see someone if they, you know, their financial position warrants that they spend the same amount, but they're then spending it on things that make them happier rather than just out of convenience or out of habit. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. And so your process then you mentioned for that, you obviously you want to, you know, have a quick chat to them first. Is that how it works? And then you, then you sort of let them know what the price is going to be and then start working with them. So I usually spend about 10 minutes on the phone, just going through a few different things. Um, and then provided that they're happy to proceed on that basis, I get them to email me through some documents and then I come back to them with a quote. And I've only actually had 
one person so far not um, engage after that initial conversation. So uh, given that they're primarily referrals from other people, referrals are always more fruitful, but um, I'm pretty stoked with that kind of conversion rate. So a lot of, a lot of uh, planners out there describe what you're doing as coaching or being a financial coach. And I know you don't like that word. Uh, tell us about that. I, I did use it initially because I felt like it was a word that I should use. Uh, but especially now that I'm moving away from the ongoing support, I don't necessarily think that what I am doing would be considered financial coaching. Um, but then there's a lot of other people out there that are doing more of the, the ongoing work as well. What do, you, what do your clients think it is? What, like, what in their mind is it coaching or what, what do you think it is for them? That's a good question. I think that um, I actually cringe sometimes when I'm talking to someone and um, they use the word advice and I'm like, oh, I don't give financial advice. But And that's why you have to use the word coaching, I think. And that it's not necessarily it, – it's just the fact that you can't use the word advice. You have to use something else. So it's co- coaching, consulting, critiquing, that kind of thing. Yeah, fantastic. And this probably comes back to the full circle of you as a as a um, 14, 15 year old in year nine, um, having your own assumptions around what advice means and, and, and the word advice, maybe as consumers, the word advice means something different to the way that planners or the way that advisors use the word. Perhaps, yes. <laughs> fantastic. And so tell us about the longevity of your business, like as in the long term, where do you see it going? Are you bringing on more people to work with clients? So you, you obviously you mentioned you're doing some courses. Um, I would like to grow a lot. I do like the thought of having employees. Um, that might change in the future, we'll see. But I'm just kind of taking every day as it comes and making sure that I'm enjoying the process. And as soon as I'm not enjoying something, I just pivot and change it. Because I think that sometimes, and I've heard this mentioned on other episodes of XY, um, that sometimes it's more the process than the result. Yep, fair enough. And so tell us about um, if, if somebody wants to reach out to you and, and chat to you about that, uh, you know, maybe in, introducing their clients along, what's the best way to find you? Um, my website, Built It Myself, so open to um, lots of feedback around that. Um, but it's moneyvine.com.au. You can get in touch on there. Um, otherwise, LinkedIn is a great place to start, Lexi Smith. But it's easy to remember Money Vine because money doesn't grow on trees. <laughs> Lovely. And it is actually a very good website. I'm quite impressed that you built it yourself. It uh, was a long process, but I was enjoying it. So as I say, that's the main thing. <laughs> it just goes to show that you you love uh, putting a process in place and, and, and finalising it. That's Lexi, right. thanks so much for coming and hanging out with us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. And we'll uh, we'll catch you soon. Bye. Well, there you have it, another episode of the XY Advisor Podcast. I'm Fraser Jack, and I'm joined by Emily Blanche. Hey, Emily. Hey, Fraser. It's our favourite time of the week. It certainly is. It's time to do some really cool shout-outs. And who have we got today? Shout-out today goes to XY Advisor Paul Birch. He was numero uno, the first in to grab his ticket for XY on tour. Super exciting. We launched the details and made the event page available yesterday. So we're going around Australia in July, six events over three weeks, covering the six elements that make up the client acquisition process. Super pumped for this. We're 
doing in-person live events and live streaming the content for those that can't make an in-person event. And special mention to Declan Thomas, who came in a close second for his ticket, but was just pipped at the post by Paul. So well done to both. <laughs> 